0: Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing, featuring at least three. Three different books every week, starring Martha Steele, the weirder the book, the better. Vonnie Golden, historical fiction with a side of trauma porn. Keith Steigert, reading the books your mother warned you about. Megan Runyon, reading YA and whatever her current fixation is. Pat Griner, refusing to read by the rules, as a rule. These people are passionate about books a little too passionate plotting world domination one book at a time they are three book girls
1: something really weird happened you guys started our podcast like half an hour ago and we're sitting here talking about all kinds of shit and i look over and it's shut off but we were talking fault. we were talking about aliens i'm watching it to make sure it doesn't shut off again <laughs> I think maybe the government has control of my computer over here and they didn't like what we were talking about. I have no explanation for what happened. It was going along just fine. I didn't touch anything or do anything
2: and it just Because you have a you have an Alexa sitting there. The government listens through Alexa. It's true. Alexa you are hmm. spying.
3: whore.
2: <laughs>
1: she I'm didn't surprised
3: she's not talking to you now that you called her name out.
1: Well, to be fair that that's not the name of the one that's sitting on my desk.
3: It has oh, a good. different
1: name. <laughs> the other one is in my kitchen. Sometimes she answers me from in there, though. She has- She's listening. <laughs> yeah, Always
3: she- listening. She has
1: really good hearing. So we just um, but lost. we are
3: giving Vani a hard time about aliens and that if they are, in fact, real, as they have said recently in the news, then does that mean she has to start reading alien books because they're historical fiction now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that idea. Think about all the books that are already historical fiction, that maybe have unexplained things in them.
2: True. true. Mm-hmm. And I I have watched alien documentaries before, and I like them. They're very intriguing. So,
3: Ancient I don't know.
2: Ancient astronaut is Ken theorists Follett, would agree. Is Ken Follett going to write? <gasps> is he going to... Inter- Is he going to intertwine aliens into his historical fiction? Hold
1: on. I know a historical, I read a historical fiction alien book. It was called Elfenheim and it was about aliens that crash landed in the forest in, I think, England or something during the plague.
3: That's a really unfortunate time to crash land on this planet.
2: Exactly. It was a
1: really Mm -hmm. good book. Man, I read that a long time ago. Maybe
2: that's why they didn't come back for
3: so long. (laughs) I don't blame them.
2: They're like, dude, they're contagious down
3: there. (laughs) And then they pop back up during the pandemic, and they're like, y'all still haven't figured it out. We'll be back in another couple hundred years. They put (laughs) us under quarantine. (laughs) Yeah, Earth is permanently
4: under
1: quarantine now.
4: They're towing a giant mask through space right now to wrap it around the whole planet.
2: That's about right. I mean, they could have tried to land during COVID too. And they're like, nope, give them another couple hundred
3: years. Yep, exactly. Not
2: ready yet.
1: We're also talking about things that were in our Amazon Prime carts.
2: Right, because Amazon Prime Day is is coming up.
3: Yep. Again. Really soon, like this next week. Do you, do you think that Amazon just, you know, looks at their budget and goes, shit, we're yes. not going to make it. Throw Prime Day in there. That's why I asked Keith
1: before <laughs> if this happened last year at this time. Because for some reason, I was like, this is such a random fucking time. But it makes sense because nobody makes any money in
5: October, in the first part of October. That's why there are so many sales for Indigenous Peoples Day. Correct. Oh. Candy
4: merchants. Candy merchants do well in October.
1: Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. And the price of sugar doubled, so that's...
2: Oh, man, a Halloween candy is expensive this year. Mm.
4: Amazon just looked at at their lists and said, that woman in Pennsylvania with the 174 items in her cart, we got to get her to move on some of these. Let's make it prime day. (laughs) Give her a prime day.
5: (laughs) It wasn't last year. It might have been two or three years ago, and they didn't have it together, and they didn't or I think it was pandemic related that they didn't have their prime day in July and they put it back to October because they didn't have things together, uh, but then they realized so many people bought stuff in October. They realized that they could do too. Oh, okay. and October is not a good time because everybody's waiting like for Christmas. Because they know black Friday mm-hmm. and yep. everything else. So,
2: yeah, but it's still also far enough away from Black Friday that you've got a couple of, you know, a few paychecks in
1: between there. Keith, what? you said you had 172 items in your cart, but there's one item in there that is of interest to
5: us. Oh, the defrosting trace. Oh, because we were talking (laughs) about that. That's
1: one of the things that didn't get recorded. And it's so surprising when you find out that a product exists, that's going to be super helpful to you in your everyday life and you don't know about it.
5: I'm really surprised more people don't know. I mean, I bought my first one, like literally like right after I got married, it was this weird infomercial and I was pretty certain it wouldn't work. And it's, it's literally like this black, really thin tray with lo- like little grooves in it. But it's old and I want to get a fancy looking aluminum looking one because it's also pretty nasty to look at.
4: So like how fast would it defrost, say, a 20 pound turkey? Okay, now <laughs> let me say
5: a turkey. It works better for flatter stuff like chicken breasts uh-huh. and that. I don't know Steak. how I, I don't know that I would do a, a turkey because it, what would happen is the thing that the part that you sat it on, like the bottom, would be real nice and thaw, and then the top would be frozen because you kind of oh. have to, oh, you'd have to turn it on the
4: tray. That my major defrosting problem in life is that I never ever managed to start the turkey defrosting in time. And I don't anymore. either. Yeah, yeah
3: I don't either. Oh, it's full
4: water. Is my yeah, best
3: friend yeah, because I spent yeah. six years in a grocery store on like the day before Thanksgiving with people running into the meat department being like, Is this gonna thaw by tomorrow? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> go buy the fresh one.
5: I honestly, no matter when I do it, like I could do it five days before. I feel like it's never really, yeah, yeah it's like, still
2: frozen in the middle, like mm-hmm, the cavity. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I go to pull out the stuff from the middle. And it's like frozen in there. <laughs> like turn it over and run water into the
3: hole. I yeah, feel like yeah. I'm
2: waterboarding my turkey I have had that happen I even when I put them out
3: for like a ton of time. <laughs> Instructions yeah, on I mean, how I- to
2: waterboard your turkey.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we don't condone waterboarding.
2: <laughs> it always says not necessary to rinse your turkey. It's like, well, you do when it's still
3: frozen. You know why you shouldn't rinse your meat? Random PSA for the day.
1: Because it spreads what? bacteria everywhere when you do it. that tiny and, little droplets
3: it, well, yes, part of it's like the spraying water aspect, but also you could actually add more bacteria to your meat from the water itself hmm. and like cause more issues. Well, so, yes, granny used to everybody's granny that used to wash her chicken. Well the inside know, of that turkey e. that
1: inside of that turkey when you cook that bag in there, that's not good, and I know that from experience.
2: Yeah, I don't want to cook the Because <laughs> sometimes, you know, when you're young and you don't know yet,
1: you have no idea that you got to get up in there and get the giblets out. So you cook a chicken or a turkey, you know, when you're first starting out. And then yep. you go to cut it, and you're like, what the fuck is this?
5: ew it's in a paper bag that doesn't like catch fire no it's Mm. all protected maybe insulated up in there
3: maybe the alien technology that's been left to us is the defrosting pan we just are (laughs) late to the party (laughs) right they were like they were like hey let's give them one thing that's gonna blow their mind
1: yeah and it would be that wouldn't it
3: it would be the most underwhelming like our meat when what an innocuous thing to leave. Like you don't leave anything yeah. like super high tech anything that like will draw attention. You're just like, thaw your meats. Have According a great to Star day. Trek, it
4: was Velcro. Right. They came back in the fifties in that one show and they left us Velcro. <laughs> See? Could be could yeah. be a
3: defrosting tribe.
4: Vel- Velcro. We don't know. Pretty magical,
1: that's for sure.
3: The Vulcan, the Vulcan, we're like, no, you can't have the Vulcan death grip. We're gonna give you a defrosting tray. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> those, <probably> <laughs> those bastards
2: wouldn't use it right. Give yeah, them a the defrosting tray. Well, yep. I tell you what, I'm putting one of those defrosting
1: trays in my Amazon cart right now. Cause I gotta yeah, have I one. I think I am
2: too. I found one that's a cutting board on one side and a defrosting tray on the other. What? I'm really thinking about doing that one. And I mean, it's $22, which is a little bit expensive because the other ones are like 12 but I never have cutting boards, it seems like. Okay, but here's and some girl, girl math, actually Bonnie. cheap,
5: Vani, because I, I've seen them for like 70 bucks. What? I mean, so your cutting board and defrosting tray is relatively inexpensive.
3: And in, in girl math, even though it's more expensive, you're getting two items for the price oh, of one item. Yeah. That's- exactly.
5: Yeah. I love that... Do you watch that Girl Math yes. podcast?
3: That, that is amazing. I live for Girl Math um, <laughs> 100% in I'm my life. I do it all the time, especially at the bookstore when it's like, buy one, get one half off. You're like, well, I have to. It's like getting a free book. <laughs> and it comes in either pink or red. Ooh. Mm. I'd go pink because if you have red meat on the red cutting board, it could kind of be hard to tell if you've got it really good and clean. So I might go with pink. Very interesting family. Size. Oh my! My ancestry DNA updated. I am twenty percent Scottish.
1: Oh, uh-huh.
3: I know. I need to go claim my ancestral castle and be like, "I'm coming back."
1: <laughs> you go claim your ancestral castle, and then they'll take it away from you for back taxes.
3: <laughs> I'll be like, "No, that wasn't on me. <laughs> that was somebody else." <laughs> hey, but then I'd have an EU passport. Oh, so here's be- one.
1: Here's one that's a four-in-one defrosting tray. It's got oh. a cutting board, a knife sharpener. Let's
2: see. It's a cutting board, a defrosting tray, a spice
3: grater, a, a knife sharpener, and a spice grater. Oh, it's $21. yeah. $21. Yeah. Oh, that's even better, girl, Matt, because that's four things for the price of one.
1: Mm-hmm. That's pretty freaking cool, huh?
3: How often do you grate your own spices? Shh, Pat, don't apply logic to grill that. <laughs> Rule number one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you did it that way, wouldn't you just
2: rub your knuckles against it too? Well, anytime Probably. I use a
1: grater, I get blood in my in my food because i'm always great accidental cannibalism yes.
3: accidental cannibalism <laughs> every accidental single time i
1: use a grater i get the skin of my knuckles in there
3: yummy uh Vonnie, <laughs> it's are my secret any ingredient. Ingredient. Vonnie is there any accidental cannibalism in your book this week <laughs> no but there is some consuming of bodies Ooh, what? Nice. oh god that's right it's spooky
1: month okay go ahead it it's is spooky month <laughs>
2: Ooh, like, and you what? know, I like a creepy <laughs> book. I read Hide by Kirsten White. Hide as in skin? <laughs> hide as in... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, <laughs> Like as in hide and go seek, hide. This book starts out with our main character, Mac. She lives in a homeless shelter. And the counselor is telling her about this reality game show that she thinks she should apply for. I believe that they actually sent an invitation for Mac to participate in this game, in this reality TV show. And what it is is it's like an adult themed hide and go seek game. They have 14 adults and they take them to a random location and everybody hides for so many hours a day. And then they have seekers and if you're found you're out and it's two people that are out every day so that's the basis of the game so um she's not really too sure about it but I mean it's a fifty thousand dollar prize and uh, she is homeless so she is interested and she thinks well hide and go seek has saved her life before so she might as well do it again and save her life a second time so there's all these little hints to past traumas in Max life. And then you kind of get a backstory of all of or of some of the other contestants and they all meet up and they take them and in a bus to a different location, they have a non-disclosure agreement. So not only do they have absolutely no clue where they're taking them, but they're not allowed to discuss any of it. And uh, they're not allowed to use their cell phones at all. In fact, where they take them, reception. there's no cell phone reception. There's no towers, no nothing. We can't do anything. There's not even Wi-Fi. And they take them to this abandoned amusement park that's been abandoned for over 50 years. So it's very decrepit. It's falling apart. You know, the games are rusting and it's just creepy as hell because of the condition that the park is in because they haven't you know tried to knock down any of the overgrowth or anything it's just this decrepit abandoned amusement park in the middle of the woods and they set up a camp and what they have to do is they go out during the day for all of the daytime hours they're not even allowed to come back to camp, like to use the bathroom or anything. Basically, if you're found, you're out. So the first day is pretty much by the rules. They come back and the two people that are out, they don't even see them. They don't get any goodbyes or or anything. They're just not there anymore. And that's when all of the contestants start kind of questioning, you know, you know, there's, there's no interviews like a regular reality TV show. Um, they don't see any cameras or anything. And they have to stay on grounds in kind of a camping situation overnight. And the, I'm going to say host, her name is Linda, leaves during the night and comes back the next day. And then after by like the third or fourth, I can't remember what exactly day, they start to kind of question what's going on because they hear screaming from the woods. They find one of the people who had gotten out uh, scraps of clothing with blood on it. So they start to realize that there's something else going on here besides just a reality game show. They start to wonder if the people who are eliminated from the game, if they're okay, if there's something wrong, if there's something more going on. And then you kind of get into where this little town that they're in, that's part of the where the location of the amusement park is, there's something not right with the whole town. You also find out a lot of the backstory of Mac, because once they get into the camp and everything, somebody recognizes her name because she's been on a true crime podcast. They've talked about her. And that's all I'm going to say about that because you have to read the book to find out why her name was brought up on a true crime podcast. And it was good. It was creepy. There's like some demonic rituals in it. There is probably a trigger warning for domestic abuse. There's no um, like real sexual situations in it. There's not really a lot of romance. It's really just creepy, intense. It, was, it would be okay for teenagers, I think. I like that they made a spin on a reality game show. That was awesome. It was, an, it was a great plot. The only thing that was a little bit disappointing is that it just kind of ended. It didn't, I mean, I'm okay with it not wrapping everything up in a bow, but it didn't go into what happened to all of the characters. Like the ending just kind of dropped off. Does that make sense? hmm I wish it would have wrapped it up a little bit more than it did. But it was still a really good book and very, very Octobery. I mean, this would make a good horror show. Definitely would make a good horror movie. I didn't look to see if they've ever done one off this book or if they plan on doing it off of this book. I think it's a fairly new book, so I don't know if they What of It was just released uh, May 23rd of 2022. Yeah. It was really good. And that, again, was called Hide with Kirsten White.
1: I read that last year. I just didn't have any room to do it last year. So I'm glad you did it. Did you like it? I did. I didn't love it, but I liked it.
3: It sounds interesting. Was it not gory
2: enough for you? Is that why?
1: Yeah, that was part of it.
2: But but I think it would make a really good movie. It would make a good
1: movie because the hide and and seek portions of it were really, really intense.
2: Yes, definitely.
5: You could really feel it.
2: uh, Who wants to follow that? Keith
3: can go.
5: So the book I'm reviewing doesn't come out till November 1st. But if you have Prime, you know how they have that Prime First program where every month they give you... Well, in October, you get two free books. Mm. And this was one of the books, like, I think they have eight this month that you can choose from. And this was the book in their thriller category. So I'm reviewing All the Little Raindrops by Mia Sheridan. And because I am just that weird, it starts off with an abduction again, because apparently that's all I read now.
3: We take her out of her romance and then everyone's just getting kidnapped.
5: Right? Because that's about as far as I can go into horror. (laughs) (laughs) fair so it starts off that there there is a girl her name is noelle and she wakes up in the dark in a cage and she can't see anything and she's in this cage for days and then finally they bring in another person who is in a separate cage and it turns out to be and she's a senior in high school and it turns out to be another senior from her high school but one that she hates and his name is evan He is very rich, his father is insanely wealthy, and it turns out, and you find this out right away, she hates, Noelle hates him because his father murdered her mom, well, shot her mom, and you don't know much about why that happened, just that he found her mother on the premises and shot her, and her father spent years trying to get justice, but Evan's father claimed that she was, I believe, stalking him. And so he she came onto his property. He didn't know who she was. He felt threatened, and he shot and killed her. So they're not friends. But right away, it turns out that this is a big game. And it's kind of explained to the two of them that they're going to be rented occasionally by people who are watching and there are cameras on them all the time and they find figure this out pretty early on and so a man come into the into their the room with their cages and will explain okay so you have been rented by one of the viewers of this game so he first comes to noel and he says you have been rented and he takes her out of her cage and he says but you do not have to go through with with this if we take two of Evan's fingers.
0: Ah, Ooh,
5: right. Ah, no. So she and trigger warnings all over the place. I mean, she's a virgin and she's being rented for not great purposes by men. Mm. But she, even though she hates this guy, she is like, you know what? Nope take me he gets to keep his fingers and then Evan gets rented and again it's like well you know what um, we could take you could either go and be rented for whatever this guy has paid for or we'll take her ear uh, and they decide leave the
3: they, just alone
5: <laughs> and they decide very early on Evan says to her they make a pact that they are going to leave their hole so and they are in captivity for five weeks you find out very early on that there are many people watching and it's a very weird game like so nobody knows where this place is men come in and they are masked and they are allowed to rent either evan or noel for whatever they would like but it's an obscene amount of money and they're flown in like to the location blindfolded, like nobody can know where they're at. And then you are also, um, these men are betting on the outcomes. So they're betting on whether or not Noel will let Evan keep his fingers. They're betting on whether or not they can escape. And every day they get a slice of bread and a small glass of water. But um, the men, I shouldn't just say men. I don't know. Maybe it's not just men watching. Maybe there are crazy women too. But the people watching can also, for a fee, decide to give certain things to them. So like um, one day, Noel gets peaches, like four slices of peaches. And it costs a ridiculous amount of money for somebody to gift her the peaches. And there is a man and he is He refers to himself as the collector and he takes a real interest in the two of them and he basically sends them very innocuous gifts which enable them to escape. And he has to pay an awful lot of money for this. Well, and so then everything goes on, years pass and Evan realizes that this was not a one-off and that the game is still being played. And so he needs Noel's help. And he's a PI P- at this point. And so he's still kind of been wrestling in, like, look, wrestling into the, to see, um, asking his cop friends if they see anything that kind of seems like it could be this kind of such scenario again. And he finds out, I think it's eight years later, that they're they're still doing this game. And nobody has been able to find any evidence. Uh they can within twenty four hours they can completely knock down the location and have nothing, no evidence, no DNA. Doesn't even look like anybody's been kept there. And so this book is all about Evan and Noel's relationship and the fact that they came from this traumatic they bond through this traumatic experience but they also have this awful past which they wonder if that's why they were taken because they obviously she obviously has this hatred for him because of the fact that his father and her mother were involved in like this terrible incident and so it's very twisty and turny there are it's ridiculously crazy the things they need to the places they need to go and the things that they have to look into and because there's really just nothing to help them find these people who are in charge because they are insanely rich and they it's it's kind of like uh like almost a coliseum kind of situation it's just people with too much money and with sadistic nasty tendencies and they just want to see what they're like how just how debased people will be for money it was one of those books where I was like murmuring under my breath my daughter was like worried about me if I had had it in book form I would have thrown it across the room I kept gasping (laughs) my middle child was like stop it you're creeping me out and I was like oh This book is making me crazy. Um, <laughs> so there, there are a lot of trigger warnings. I, I, I mean, I saw on Goodreads a lot of people just didn't make it past like the first ten percent because it's it's yuck. I mean, bluch. This now I know why you gross. said you wanted to
3: bleach your brain.
5: Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I said I want to bleach my brain after I read this book, but it was really, it was really, really good, if you can call nasty yuck like that good but i enjoyed it a lot it, it does have a romantic relationship in it sorry martha <laughs> so martha won't be reading it
3: um no.
5: but yeah I, I, I liked it an awful lot and that was all the little raindrops by Mia Sheridan and if you have prime you could probably get it for free there you go double bone otherwise it's around
3: in November first Nice.
1: I haven't picked my ones yet, so I'm glad you told me that that was not going to be for me. I appreciate that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll go. So this week I'm reviewing What Stalks Among Us by Sarah Hollowell, And that is stalk like a corn stalk, <laughs> not like stalking. Um, and I've heard about this book through the interwebs and it just sounded like I needed to read it uh, because it was set in rural Indiana, which some of us, some of our listeners may know. Uh, I went to high school in the cornfields of Indiana. And when I tell you that Sarah nails the description of growing up in the cornfields of Indiana, like I got out my phone and started texting people from high school because I was like, guys, I'm feeling really nostalgic. Uh, because you do kind of base the seasons on what the corn looks like. Um, to say, you know, knee high by the 4th of July, like all those things that are very Midwestern things that you know when you grow up in lots of cornfield areas. And they, okay, so our main characters are Sadie and Logan, and they ditch out on their school trip to Kings Island. So they're on the like Eastern side. So they bail out because Sadie is really self-conscious about her weight. And she is always like afraid she won't fit on the rides. So she doesn't want to go because she's like, this is not fun time for me. This is nothing but embarrassing for me. And I don't want to go. So her BFF Logan, they both skip out. So they're just cruising around the cornfields of Indiana, which by the way, is a thing. We did it every summer, which is endlessly drive the dirt roads of Indiana, just going wherever we did it all the time. So. It felt very real. And they stumble across a cornfield that shouldn't be there because it's not the right season for the corn to be tall enough to have a corn maze. And as all ingenious teenagers do, they're like, yeah, we should go in there and see what that's about. <laughs> so <laughs> off they go into the corn maze. Dummies! They King? haven't read Stephen King. <laughs> Seriously, that's really?
5: what the whole time. I'm like, you guys are dumb.
3: Clearly didn't grow up well in Indiana to know, like, don't go in cornfields you don't think should be there. Um, But they did. So they went in and they quickly realized, like, oh, this is not like a normal corn maze. Like, I can't we can't get out like they're stuck in the corn maze. Their phones aren't working. There's kind of a storm brewing off to the side, which much like Oklahoma, when storms kind of kick up in Indiana, you become very weather aware. You're like, "Mm, I might need to take cover. But the is not moving. It's just like hovering off out of the out of the side of the maze. And they start like picking up pieces of things that are from other people. Like they find someone's and named Anna. They find her driver's license. And they're like, well, where's Anna? Like if her driver's license or wallet is here, like where did she go? Um and they just keep finding kind of random things as they're going through. And then I don't think it's a spoiler because it kind of has, you kind of need it to get through the story. So then all of a sudden they come across like Logan's dead body in the maze, but like Logan's alive standing next to Sadie. Uh oh. Ooh. Yeah. And then they're like, well, how does Logan end up dead? Like, what's happening? And they're like, are putting pieces together, like, okay, well, dead Logan over here doesn't have his jacket and Logan standing with me still has his jacket so when does he lose his jacket and how does he end up here so they just keep finding different things and then they run into Helena and Helena seems to kind of be like their guide to the maze because they keep finding like different rooms and different things and they're like it's very corn mazy would be the best way to describe <laughs> it um and Helena's like, oh, well, if you hear this noise, it's a good sign. Or if you hear this noise, you probably should run. Or if you open this door and you see this thing, you should probably run. And they're like, Helena, my girl, how long have you been in this corn maze that you have gained all of this knowledge? And there's kind of hints about Helena along the way. Like, they'll make modern day references of things and she doesn't get it or doesn't appear to get it. Um so, Helena's a big old question mark. A um, couple other people we meet, we meet um, Anthony. And I can't give too much away about Anthony without giving too many spoilers, but um, Anthony is connected to Helena. So, there's a whole lot of drama around them. And they're kind of the core, integral to the maze itself and how things happen and why things happen. And it's just, a great spooky like again it's kind of i apparently I really need to add like locked room mystery to my to my wheelhouse of things I've read because now I've read like two in a row uh, <laughs> because they're, they're just stuck in the corn maze and there's nothing they can do and they're trying to figure out like how do we get out of it how do we not die before we get out of the corn maze how do we stay together how do we not get separated and it's a really cool story of like friendship and relationships and being a kid in Indiana And it just was so good, and I'm so glad I heard about it. Oh, and and time is, like, not a thing in the maze. Like, they don't know how long they've been in the maze. Like, they could have been in the maze for a day. They could have been in the maze for six years. Like, they have no reference of time because there's no, like, night and day. It's just the maze. And the storm kind of, if it's moving, if it's not moving, kind of helps them gauge what's happening in the maze. So it was really well done. It's a good good spooky read and a good YA spooky read. Like there's nothing like overly graphic or nothing overly like sexualized. So if you've got a YA person like, I want to read a spooky book, this would be a good one. And if you grew up in the Midwest in cornfields, it's going to have you in your fields and you're going to start texting people because <laughs> you get it. And that is What Stalks Among Us by Sarah Hollowell.
4: That yeah. Well... well. Megan has once again given me a perfect segue into my book because it is also a locked room mystery. Oh, yay. (laughs) Although it's actually many things. It's a sci-fi book uh, that has to do with life extension and AI elements both. Hmm. It's a locked room mystery and it is a queer retelling of Hamlet. Hmm. (laughs) Oh, okay. All things to all people in this book. The book is called The Death I Gave Him by M. X. Liu. Butchering, I'm not good with the pronunciation of Chinese names. It's L-I-U. So I don't know if it's Liu or Liu or how much of of the I comes out there. And M is not the initial M. It's E-M. The book takes place in a facility, uh, a research facility run by a high-tech company. At the opening of the book, Hayden Litchfield, who is our main character, has just discovered the dead body of his father in one of the labs. And when the word gets out, the building automatically locks down. In case you're not real quick on picking up the comparison to Hamlet, the building is called Elsinore. And when the building locks down, there are five people left inside. There's, uh, along with the body of Dr. Litchfield, who's been killed, there's Hayden, there's his uncle Charles, who is kind of the uh, business manager of this company. His, his father was the research guy, was the, the real scientist guy. His uncle, father's brother, was the business manager. There is a lab tech uh, named Rasmussen who was left inside, and there is the chief of security, Paul Ja, I believe, X-I-A, again, not good on my pronunciation, and his daughter, Felicia. Felicia and Hayden have a past relationship. They dated for a couple years, but have broken up. So it's the middle of the night. The the murder happened about 9.30 or 10 at night. They find it, the building locks down, and Hayden is trying to figure out What's gone on here? there is also besides these five people locked inside, and so we know that one of them had to have been the murderer. There is also Horatio again welcome to Hamlet uh, hmm. Horatio is an a i and he is an a i who is he's present throughout almost all parts of the building. There are only a few sections that he can't see into. He sees things through cameras he speaks through speakers but he is such an amazing character you forget that he's not a physical walking talking character because well he is he does talk but there's not a body to walk around but you very quickly forget that because Horatio is so real and Horatio is essentially Hayden's mentor best friend he's kind of raised him to to some degree So things unfold very slowly. And even though the the whole book only covers a period of about 14 hours from, from the beginning to the end of the lockdown, but you find out little things like a lot of it comes from an interview and an essay that Felicia wrote after the fact, and that there is a researcher who is putting all this together. You hear his voice occasionally just in saying, I chose to bring in this part of Felicia's essay right now. or this. So there's there's a narrative voice that never gets a name, is not identified, but also uh, controls to a certain degree what you see and what you find out and in what order you find things out. The project that Hayden's father was working on and that Hayden himself was working on too is called the Sisyphus Project. And it was the ultimate goal of it was life extension, perhaps even immortality. They have not gotten it that far. The, the point they've gotten it to, allow, if you give someone an injection of this stuff, which they do, Hayden does it to his father, and it kind of jolts him, they get like the last 30 seconds of his life. He speaks, but it's, it's garbled, it's kind of a mess. But part of what they get is him saying, avenge me. Welcome to Hamlet. Uh, <laughs> Hayden is trying to track down who's killed his father. And he's he suspects that, of course, it was to steal the research. So he takes the research, downloads it all onto a chip, takes it so that no one else can find it, and then hides it in his father's dead body. Well, that's creepy as hell. Yeah, it's it's I I was gonna say this isn't really a, a spooky season book, but there are some thoroughly creepy things in there. So he hides the research chip in dad's dead body. uh you find out that there's there are two secret parts of the building which uh, Horatio does not have access to, cannot see into. And really, no one had access to one of them except Dr. Litchfield, who's, unfortunately, I can't recall his first name. The other section, both Dr. Litchfield and Charles Litchfield, his brother, had access to. But the secret research laboratory has a booby trap set into it. It's it's got a, a code lock on it, and if you enter the wrong code, you don't not get into the laboratory, you get in and it releases poison gas when you're in there. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to give away too many spoilers. Although here again, if you know the plot of Hamlet, you know, some <laughs> of the spoilers you're going to figure out like who did the murder, but The interesting twist on this, and at first I wondered, why is it called a queer retelling of Hamlet? Because the only couple, well, there are two couples. There's Dr. Litchfield and his wife, but they are, I forget if they're just estranged or actually divorced. But it turns out that she is also interested in this formula. She is also a researcher, and so there were disagreements about that. But Hayden and Felicia are a heterosexual couple. But it turns out the real love story in this, and this is a, it's a touch of a spoiler, but not really. The real love story is Hayden and Horatio. A human <laughs> and an AI. So not not a queer love story in the traditional sense. If <laughs>
1: <yeah>. very <laughs> interesting.
2: Very,
4: very yeah, interesting. There's, there's a lot going on in this book, and it's very it's well thought out. It's it's not An extremely lengthy book. I think it was just over 300 pages. But well thought through and the character, you really do get to know these five characters. Actually, not Rasmussen so much because he's kind of a pawn. I think he's sort of the equivalent of uh, Rosencrantz or Guildenstern or the two Mm. of them smooshed into one character. So uh, you don't get to know him as much, but Felicia and Hayden and Horatio in particular you really, really get to know very well. It's an interesting book. If you have, you don't need to know anything about Shakespeare to enjoy the book. And and don't let the Shakespeare references put you off. It just takes the situation, the characters, and puts them in this modern locked Day mystery. So that is The Death I Gave Him by M. X. Liu. Awesome. Cool.
1: I am going to go down the haunted house road again. Ooh. So, lovers of Shirley Jackson's uh, The Haunting of Hill House will love the idea of this book called A Haunting on the Hill by Elizabeth Hand. Full disclosure, up front, I've decided I really don't care for haunted house books. And I... I think just over time, I've come to realize that. Because everyone that I have read has put me in the same space. Elizabeth Hand is a great writer. And I think that if you are a huge fan of the original Shirley Jackson book, that you may be really interested in reading this. As a matter of fact, I saw Alyssa yesterday when she was recording some music for us. And I happened to mention that I had read this book and she got very excited, even though she doesn't like spooky books. She did like the original Shirley Jackson. So she was interested in reading it. So anyway, I'll give you what the plot is on this. Holly Sherwin, along with her girlfriend, Nisa, go on a weekend trip and Holly goes out for a drive and she just happens to drive up she sort of gets lost and ends up at this big old spooky house. Well, the, the, first, the first thing that kind of put me off of it was that she looks at her watch and she goes up to the house and she looks in the window and she does like a couple of things. She sees this black hair, like rabbit Standing there on its hind legs. And it's got bloody teeth and it's really, I mean, that part of it was really spooky. But then she gets, goes back to her car and like four hours have passed. And then she quickly just sort of forgets about that. I mean, her girlfriend notices that she was gone for that long, but it's almost like she gets amnesia about it. See, she, she doesn't really bring it up later that she was freaked out. She just gets obsessed that she wants to rent this house because she's a playwright and she's written this play about witches. And she decides to use some of her grant money that she got for this play to rent this house and bring the cast of the play to do read-throughs because she thinks the atmosphere is going to be really good. So she goes to the realtor in the town, and the realtor tells her it's not for not for rent, not for sale, not for rent. But then, eventually, after talking to her for a few minutes, the person decides to go ahead and rent it to them, which is, you know, sketchy. But whatever. I don't know. There are just so many things about this that. The main character is so keen to get in there and do this thing. It's like all of the weird shit that happens to her doesn't affect her. She doesn't realize that it's weird. Because there's so much weird crap, but it's not... The reason that I have a trouble, I think, with haunted house novels is nothing really happens. It's just creepy. And this particular book... I uh, obviously read it on audio. The narrator was spectacular. I loved her voice. She did a fantastic job, but they put sound effects in it. So every time, every time there was like (laughs) a ghosty thing that happened or some kind of weird thing in the background, there'd be this sound. I freaking hated that. I want to do the sounds myself in my head. I don't want somebody else to do them for me. And so I, I was off center anyway when I was listening to it. I probably should. The reason that I decided to ultimately review the book isn't so that I could pan it. I think it would be a really great book for people who love to be creeped out but not really scared. I, I don't think it was that scary of a book. And I'm a horror fan. So it probably wasn't like directed at me. You know what I mean? It's prob- probably not a good book for me, but I think it was extremely well written. There were a lot of creepy things that happened. In particular, one of the, um, one of the gu- guys that's the only guy that's with them. There's a, a, a section in the book that is particularly cool, where when he goes into his bedroom that he's staying in, he discovers behind the dresser, this tiny little door with a tiny little brass handle. And he gets obsessed with this door. He can't get it open. And so he keeps trying to find excuses to go back up to his room so he can get into this door. I mean, that part of the book was the only thing that really drew me in. That I was really interested in. And I love what she did with that plot point and the way that section turned out. That was my favorite part of the book. All the other stuff, I, I really had a hard time connecting with any of the characters. Um, the main character kept, I mean, she kept talking about her play. But yet the girlfriend was like our play because the girlfriend is a singer and she had this, you know, she was going to put these songs in it, these old, old timey murder ballads or something in it. And so that kept coming up as, you know, this point of contention as the playwright versus the person adding the songs. And I, I don't know. I just couldn't get into that. I didn't really like any of the characters. If it hadn't been for that stupid little door, I probably would have put the thing down and not kept going. But I was really curious about that part. And I I guess I'm really glad that I read it because I've learned something really important about myself. And that is, I don't like haunted house books as a rule. There was one exception to that. And I reviewed that on the podcast earlier this year. But I think the next time... I get the opportunity to read a haunted house book, I'm going to take a pass because I don't think I can be fair. (laughs) I just don't find them scary enough. If you don't like scary books, maybe you just like to feel a little creeped out and there's a couple of things in it that would be kind of creepy, then pick up this book, especially because it has a connection to the original story written by Shirley Jackson, Haunting a Pill House, there is a connection there. And so I think if you liked that, you might want to grab this and read it for Spooky Season because I think it might be something you would be interested in. And that is A Haunting on the Hill by Elizabeth Hand. And I will say the, the biggest reason I picked this up is because I like Elizabeth Hand's work. I have read several books by her that I adored. So that was the main reason that I went to the book and the biggest reason I finished it. So there you go. I I think I've been desensitized by all the absolutely horrific things I've read lately. And when I read something tame, I'm like, eh. So it wasn't her fault. It's just I like things that are a little more on the gruesome side these days.
2: Fair enough. We have so to- you're saying that you need the vicious, mean, abducting aliens and not the placid, make your life better yeah,
1: aliens. Yeah, I kind of need some flesh-consuming, horrific... A little more than probing. Nah, yeah, <laughs> probing is old hat. I got to have something different up
3: in there. You better put that ring doorbell in your Amazon cart then so that you can win the million dollars for finding the aliens.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a real thing. They're going to offer a million bucks to somebody who can catch an alien on the ring camera. So I've got one on my Amazon cart. I'm definitely going to try to enter that. There are a lot of weird fucking people in my neighborhood, so maybe one
5: of them is actually an alien. That'd be cool. I feel bad for the people whose job it is to go through all those submissions. (laughs)
3: Be the best job. That's ever.
5: all I could think yeah. of when I was reading about You're it. I exactly was like, "Oh, uh-uh. because right.
1: you know there are going to be a lot of rednecks in alien costumes streaking through yeah. people's neighborhoods to try to."
2: streaking that's the main thing rednecks with alien masks Mm -hmm. and nothing else yep Yep. running past people's front porches so
4: they can be on the the room cam. the same people who fake bigfoot footage yep yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're gonna recycle those bigfoot costumes add some antennae to them and say here we go oh
3: my Mm -hmm. god it's an alien i mean half my neighborhood works at tinker so if anybody has access to actual aliens it would actually be my neighborhood so you just never know (laughs) what's tinker the at Air Force, Air Force base, base down the
4: street. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Shut t- up,
2: Megan. <laughs> Big Brother's going to shut us down again. I know. The last time we were talking about aliens, <laughs> our
1: recording physically shut off. Okay. So <laughs> I don't like that That's idea. What? That really pissed me off because I looked over and our recording wasn't going anymore.
4: It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, but <Yeah>. seriously, <laughs> um, the whole. If we I could know. remember what we actually were saying at that moment, you know, we probably could solve the whole alien mystery because clearly something some specific thing was too close to the truth man we said something that was too right
2: on yeah yep we
3: we hit that said
4: nope (laughs) we hit that uh,
1: the threshold right there of they're getting too close to
5: the truth yep Hmm.
1: the truth is out there
3: ancient alien has taught us that
4: chariots of the gods like the
3: alien version
4: of when they were listening to everybody's phone calls and recording them after 9-11. And you know, people would just get on a phone call and say, Taliban, 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 Taliban.
3: <laughs> see <if> they could... <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be on that list. Alien, alien, what alien, alien. They, stopped? Yeah. <laughs> I, they haven't stopped.
1: Oh, my God. I think I've been probed. I've been yeah. kidnapped. They're
2: probably already abducted. to what we say all the time. Well, just sure, solely sure. from um, Keith's obsession with abductions,
3: yeah. They're like,
2: you better keep an eye
3: on this podcast. Go ahead. Oh, and Ryan used to work at the NSA, so <laughs>
1: and and the Shonas both work for the government. So,
3: yep. You yeah. know, maybe I, the- I said a long time ago my phone was hacked by the NSA. So, <laughs> well,
4: I think if there's if there's any aliens out there among us, it's probably that woman that Martha sent us the other article about. The woman bringing giraffe feces home from Africa to make jewelry out of them—that's
2: disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> for,
4: for those of you who thought my rat paw earrings were bad, I even I would not wear a giraffe shit necklace. Giraffe
3: shit—smelling <laughs>
5: after
4: a while.
3: I don't know if you can case it in enough resin. Yeah. I mean, if it was
2: fossilized giraffe poop, maybe right. Martha would.
3: Well, sure.
2: Yeah,
1: If she it's would. fossilized, I would, I would definitely yeah. wear it as a necklace. Then she it would
2: shine a, that shit up and make a it into jewelry. It?
1: Corporalite, yeah. Sh-
2: Corporalite, Did you yeah. say
1: shine that shit up and put it in the jewelry? It's <laughs> <laughs> <Y'all are laughs>
5: something you need to put on your uh, Amazon, wish uh, in your Amazon cart.
3: Giraffe poo.
5: <laughs> a giraffe poo uh, tumbler.
3: You can buy zoo poo for your garden here. The zoo will. Yeah, we talked about that.
1: We talked about that one day. I remember that was part of our discussion
3: of different kinds. Yeah, because my old boss was going to the zoo that weekend to get her bucket full of zoo poo. (laughs) So it's a thing. People
2: do do it. I wouldn't want to ride home with that sitting in the car.
3: No. Ugh, that's like a pickup truck situation. I, I hope they seal it or something.
2: I mean I might
1: make I an don't exception know. for I might make an exception for um somebody wearing strong perfume if they insisted on wearing feces necklaces to work.
5: Hmm. They would probably yeah. cancel each other out. Exactly. Yeah, no, true. it just smelled
2: like somebody shitress put for breeze on a pile of shit.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah. Yes, that's true. That that may be the best successor to lipstick on a pig. Febreze on a pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just
2: spritz it on there; it'll take care of all kinds of sins. Oh, What's that Febreze scent that you're you're using right there? Oh, it's a uh, it's giraffe shit, giraffe <laughs> shit scent. Oh, I wanted giraffe. to make it smell a little musky in my <laughs> A little musky. Getting back to nature.
1: <laughs> yeah, HR is, it would get a strongly worded letter from me.
3: Yeah, as HR, I would also send a strongly worded letter <laughs> down the hall.
1: Use it as a weapon too. keep away the assholes out of your office.
2: We An actually air freshener. have it in our handbook that you're not supposed to wear strong perfume or have Sent things on your desk
1: really
3: finally somebody setting, gets I would... it i love that well if you work in like a cube setting i could understand that because if you're in a cube setting you're not like contained like my office is contained like you can't smell it out in the hallway yeah but so you're going to keep people setting...
1: out of there though that won't be able to stand the stench of you megan
2: <laughs> yeah but you <laughs> just said yeah. that people can smell it in the hallway
3: and come in and well say like when they walk good. right by my door your
1: hr like, megan get with it Get with the times, girl.
3: I'm the only one that decorates my office for the holidays. I am the single-handed joy. I don't know. I might
1: take, honestly, I might take giraffe poo over pumpkin spice candles.
3: That
2: might be a good um, uh, way to sabotage somebody who has too much scent going on in their queue. (laughs) You just bring in a bucket of (laughs) zoo poo, and you just go ahead and fill your little you know what the best a bowl with some zoo poo and you're like no oh it's God. it's animal scented it's from the zoo <laughs> it's exclusive oh gosh you know what the best way to do that would be is you take a little bit of it
1: and you hide it in a section of th- of their office so they'd be looking everywhere for the smell and they can't find it
2: put no, just, just a little bit in their little dissenter so yes, that it heats up I and smells that. like poo.
1: That just
3: takes me back to my Kroger days when people would try to steal meat and somebody would spook them and they'd like throw it in a random place in the shelf like or in the display oh. refrigerator. Laundry basket. There was a laundry basket on like the top shelf and I kept walking by like I was crawling on the floor trying to find it and I happened to like look up at the right angle and I was like Oh <laughs> Rancid meat in the laundry basket'll do it every oh. time.
0: Oh. Oh, I'm so <laughs> it had like a
3: teddy cause it was like thing it was Valentine's, so it oh. had like one of those giant teddy bears in oh, there too. Oh, Megan
2: awesome. gross <laughs> gross You know what? <clears throat> Rancid meat and a big uh, teddy bear with a heart. That sounds like something that Keith would read. <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna do it for
0: three book girls. girls. If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production.